Um, it's been a, a lot of fun for me in the preparation. Um, I will say that chances are, Mike, you're here because of me, because I wanted you here tonight. You know, I said that Sunday. Uh, like, Lord, you know I want that man here. Um, I, I, I serve with him in drive-in ministries, so I, I esteem Mike mostly because of the spirit that's in him uh, and the same Savior that we serve together. And, and what he does and what so many people do in drive-in ministry. It's not just one person. It is so many people that's involved with that. So I'm so thankful for all of them. Um, tonight, if you would, let's turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I guess it's part of my task tonight is to rescue some of this uh, from familiarity. I, I told our, our brother Mike what I was going to be talking about tonight, and he said, wow, you have a lot to go over, uh, basically, and he is exactly right. I'm not going to tell you everything there is to know about Philippians chapter 3 tonight, but along the lines of the, the, the word that we're going to consider tonight, we're going to, to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 16, and if you're there, let me hear you say Amen. Amen. Well, there's a couple of us here. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 13 through 15. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And let's pray. Lord, your word is a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, help us to, to recognize your, your voice as you lead us, and help us to keep our eyes on Jesus tonight as we as we gather around your word, I declare that your people are blessed. Open our ears, open our hearts and our spirits to receive from you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So let's start out with a question. That's easy. What is it in your life that you would like to forget? And that's not a loaded question. We know we can't go back in time to change an occurrence, but is it really possible to forget anything at all? Is there ever a reason why in our life that forgetting should be our MO, our method of operation, our, our, the way we go about our lives? Should it be that if we just do things and we forget it, it just makes it all better, that type of thing? I guess the question is, what is meant by the word forgetting? Now, along those same lines, let me ask you another question. Have you ever wished God would wipe another person's memory clear of an event that involved you? Now we're connecting with the people. <laughs> uh, I'm there with you guys. Uh, that's a thought. But I am thankful for God's great grace to be, that is an extension to us, his grace that is an extension to, to all of us, he gives it to his own, but, you know, he expects that grace to come from us to others, but he also expects us to give ourselves a little grace every now and then, too, and to understand that we're looking to Jesus in all things. So what is this grace that I'm, I'm referring to? And we're still opening up. We're fixing to get started. The Scripture is clear 
and a wonderful example has been given proving it can be done. We have to forget. We can forget. You can do this. And have you ever heard in your life somebody challenging you and exhorting you to forget? It is absolutely important that we do this. The forgetting, listen to this. This is what I need you to get from me tonight. The forgetting is where we choose him over us. It's where we choose his ways over ours. Forgetting is where we choose to put it all aside and to look to him as the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to him because he can do the things that we can't. And it's that personal communion that we can have with him should we choose to do that. And there's so many things that get in the way and that mess that up. And he's basically telling us, and we're going to talk about this tonight. We have a half hour to do it and we will leave on time. I had to say it. Hunter said it the other day. He didn't think he could go for an hour. I went, there it is. He will go an hour and a half. Uh, It's so easy once you say it. But tonight, the forgetting is important because it's in the choosing him over us that we live the life that he has for us to live. And it leads to, to Jesus and all things. So I've written myself a talk. This is for me. I would like to share it with you. A couple of things that I will never forget is my first Wednesday night here. I walked in that door. Pastor Ken was right there. I walked up to him. He talked to me like he had never met a stranger in his life. Has he done that with you? He talked to me. Church started late, and I'm like, well, you're the pastor guy. You kind of need to get this ball going, you know. And he's talking to me, as so many people of you, so many of you people have have come up to me and made such an impression on my life, kind of like... Pastor Danny, before I really, I I started here and I was kind of hiding in the shadows and Pastor Danny was being my friend and helping me through a tough time, even though he knew that I may not ever stay at this church, but such is the people and the ministry of this church to witness and to minister to people who are not even members here. That's why I like to be numbered amongst you because there's so many people here that just want to love other people. The reason why I'm here, really, I believe, is the Holy Spirit. But he, he worked through a man beca- called Brock. It's Miller, right? He's my dentist. I should know. It's, I think it's Miller, right? It's Brock. Maybe you guys can connect on this. He's working on my teeth, and he's drilling diligently, and he's doing what he's gone to school for all these years. He has more degrees than a circle anyway. He's really smart. And this guy has got all his fingers and all his tools up inside of my mouth, and he's talking about Jesus to me. And he's asking me questions, and I can't answer them. So he's got this weird monologue thing going on because I can't answer him and all his questions. And I have never forgotten that because that man reached out to me, and he heard me talking to somebody about trying to find a Bible study. And he walks back in the room, and he says, be at my church tonight. We have one, and turn around and walk back out. And I'm like, whoa, time. What church do you attend, man? Um, I'll, I'll never forget that. There, there's so many good people here that have just reached out to me. Um, Oscar's another one I'm just going to say, and I know I'm running out of time already. Wow, <laughs> we will get out on time. Uh, I went to a men's fellowship, and if you've ever been to Matt's place, it's on the other side of the world times three. It is way out there, and I got lost, and not only did I get lost, I got lost, I I don't even know if it was his property, I I have no clue where I was, 
I mean, I, I started to, to pull out my pistol and fire shots in the air and just hope somebody would come get me. And, and I finally got a hold of them, and I think all of the men that were there were all like, I want to go get him. I want, it, it's, it's, we're inextricably male. Forgive us, okay? But everybody wanted to come pull me out of the woods and get me to the men's fellowship. And Oscar did this with this little tiny Jeep, pulls my big Bubba truck up the hill and, and gets me going. And, you know, I, I actually mentioned him in a sermon after that <laughs> uh, where I was attending church at the time. So it was so neat, the impression that, that so many of you have made. And, I, and I've left so many of you guys out already. So know that I'm not, not forgetting it. I just, it'll be your turn next time. But one thing that's serious, I was standing right over here one, one Sunday, and we were singing a hymn. And I froze right where I was. I thought I had long since forgotten but I know the Spirit let me hear it again. I heard my mother singing in my mind like she was standing beside me, singing the hymn that we were singing. There are some things that I choose not to forget. And they ministered to me, and here I am, six-foot guy, almost weeping, water running down my face, because I heard, I hadn't forgotten after all, the, the legacy that my mother has left me singing that hymn. What a wonderful thing. It's, it's, it's right up there with holding a, a newborn baby for the first time. And gosh, I can connect with so many women in the church now over this one. We have so many babies that have been born. You hold them and wow, it, it, it's such a wonderful thing. You, you just can't forget it. You know, you take all the pictures and you do all the stuff. You know, and, and by the time you get to the ninth kid, they're just lucky if they eat regular. You know, I mean, it's it's... You, you, you love them all, and my baby is now serving in the Marine Corps, and he's doing all this stuff, and it, it's really exciting. But I choose not to forget some things. I choose not to forget them, and I'm going to give you one more, and we're going to get into the Word, okay? I will never forget wanting to propose to my wife the first time we spoke. And no... I'm not that weirdo guy that did it, but I wanted to, and I knew if I did, I'd run her off, so I did it, so I was smart enough not to, but I know that I wanted to. It was, it was so intense, the knowing that I had met this person that I knew I was going to spend my life with. Now, how many of you guys know that marriage is something that we have to work with, work at, and I'll tell you this, while I can't forget that, I will tell you that I will gladly trade it for what I have now. Because I don't want to stay there, I want to stay where I am. And I want to move forward in loving her like she deserves to be loved and how I should love her according to God's word. But the love that he showed me, I want to show her even more. So I can let that go. I can forget that, if you will. I can put that to the side because that's not where I am. It's where I am, but I'm going right there. So I forget that. I make the choice to look there even though I'm standing right here. Maybe some of these are, are shared experiences. Certainly they're all a, a part of being human. But where's another place that forgetting is described in the Bible? In John 16, 21, you may want to write this down. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for a joy that a man or a child is born into the world. 
women forget or they no longer remember or they choose not to remember the pain for the joy that comes into the world through them. Now, am I saying that a woman cannot recall what she goes through or she experiences when she's having a baby? Every woman in the house is smiling at me right now. And it's just slightly funny for me because it's, it's not like we don't have a lot of kids, okay? I, I've, I've, I've got all the shirts and stuff, really. I've, I've been down that road. But to see that and to see my, woman, my wife say, not my woman, I would never say that. Oh, my gosh, that almost came out. Uh, you get up here and you get in the spirit, guys, as stuff happens. To see all of that and to see her not even think about that anymore and be so full of love for that baby that she's holding in her hands. It's, it's not that she forgets the pain. She knows that was real. But it's not about that anymore. It's about this. It's about the baby, the joy. So does that mean they can't recall it? Gosh, that is a great example of what we're going to talk about. Paul told us to forget, yet he popped off and told all of us of the different punishments that he had experienced he remembered them all. He mentioned them more than once in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But if he told us to forget, but yet he's still bringing it up from the past, does that mean that he actually forgot it or he chose to put it behind him because now he's looking at something else? Why did he exhort us to forget? What is the impetus? What is the driving force behind the forgetting? There's certainly an active component behind that. And the forgetting requires a made-up mind. You have to choose to forget. You have to choose to look ahead. You have to choose to look to the prize, or you're not going to get there, so to speak. Stronger than staying true to a resolution, this requires a made-up mind. So question, is there a reward for forgetting? Wow, how many guys have forgotten to take the garbage out and wanted to be a reward? Hey, hey, I'm going to Home Depot tonight. Is there a reward? Well, in this case, there is, guys. We're going to get to that. It seems kind of wrong to ask this question. But there is a very real reward tonight, reward, if you will choose to forget. And how many of you guys want to know what that reward is? I think we all know what that reward is. That reward is actually the motivation behind the forgetting and all of this. The Bible has much to say. I have 20 minutes. It's going to take a miracle. We're going to do it. Chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Finally, I've said everything I've said up until this point to get me to where I am so I can tell you what I'm about to tell you. It's not troublesome for me to do this. It's not grievous, but for you it is safe. It is a, a safeguard. Paul has said everything to get us here. Listen to this, guys. It's a safeguard to keep you secure, to keep you safe. Why is it a safeguard to you? Because, verse 2, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the concision. Beware of the religious corruptors. He says, beware of the concision. He's actually mocking the people that he's standing against. This word here is the false circumcision. Not even the Judaizers that believed in the the zealots that were all about circumcision just for the act itself. And he's mocking them is what he's doing. Of all the things that they could come up with to be in right standing with God, why did it have to be the circumcision part? 
That's because it was in the law of Moses, and at one time that was a requirement. But now it, it was about to not be. Well, it wasn't that at this point. And now they're holding on to something that they can do with their hands instead of looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We are the spiritually circumcised versus those who are just physically or in their mind, they're just zealots of it. Spiritual circumcision its the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. And then this flesh is taken away from us. Now we're, we're a spiritual being. Notice the juxtaposition in this verse. It talks about worshiping God, rejoicing in Jesus. Then it talks about confidence in the flesh. And he says, I will have nothing to do with the confidence in the flesh. The confidence, the things that I'm, I'm sure, that I'm convinced of, that I'm aware of. And he's saying, I have no confidence in that. It's a double negative. Listen to this. It's not at all, not anymore, by no means at all, never, no, in no case, nor ever will I ever have any faith in the flesh that I have in my body. It just does not compare to worshiping God and, and rejoicing in Jesus. And what he's saying, we have to choose him or we will choose ourselves. In the Old Testament, it said you will have to choose life or you will have to choose death. Now we have to choose Jesus or we have to choose ourselves. There's only two ways to go about it. Which one will we choose tonight? Will we trust Jesus for what he's accomplished on the cross or will we put our confidence in whatever we can bring to the table? circumcised verse 5 the eighth day of the stock of israel the tribe of benjamin a hebrew of hebrews is touching the law of pharisees listen listen to what paul is pulling it out here he has made it to the top he's achieved everything possible according to the law of moses he was absolutely righteous of the stock of israel he was of jacob not just of abraham and isaac he could have been an ishmael or an esau he was of jacob of the tribe of Benjamin, meaning the son of my right hand, the son of Rachel, who was considered to be the mother of the nation himself. His life was preserved all the way back to the first king of the nation and the tribe that actually got with Judah and Levi to build the temple. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. His parents were Hebrews. He was born in Tarsus of Sit, no insignificant city, which rivaled Alexandria and Athens and all the cities of the day. He was that guy. He had reached self-actualization. He was at the pinnacle of all of this. He was a Pharisee by birth. He was an Israelite. He was trained under Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee that was up and coming in Galatians chapter 1. Paul had a promising career as a religious leader. He had everything that he could possibly want. Concerning zeal, verse 6, he was persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law is as far as a human could stand. He was absolutely blameless. He had done all that he could do. He was without fault. Nobody could find anything wrong with what he was doing. And he was excelling in his zealousness to persecute the church. And he was without defect. Sounds like a pretty impressive pedigree if you ask me. But Paul says in verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted as lost for Christ. He did not say that the bad things were a loss to him. He said that the good things were a loss to him. Are you hearing what he's saying? 
It's easy to see that the bad things are lost that we've done, but the good things that we have done are lost to him now because anything that he has done, good or bad, can be a distraction when it comes to looking to the prize because we look to the finish line where Jesus is. We're going to get to that in a second. So the things that we do that are, that are positive, that are good, that help other people can serve to be a distraction to us because we get our mind on those instead of keeping our eyes on him. And that's what it's about. He says it's a loss, it's a damage, it's a, a detriment. One commentator says he counts these good things as not merely worthless but ruinous, being a loss, a robbery of the true blessing. They're a distraction. Verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss now, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I count all things, everything I've done, good or bad, not just the things that are on this list or in First, Second Corinthians 2, but everything I counted as a loss. The only thing that I want is the personal communion that I can have with my Lord. Paul does not appear, I want you to see this, to be worried about losing anything. He's got his mind on the gaining of everything. He's looking to Jesus. His focus is on winning the prize, not losing what he's not going to keep in the first place. If you lose what you can't keep to gain what you cannot lose, you win. And that prize is Jesus. Somebody say amen. You, you guys are are listening really well tonight. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let me show you a progression in communion in the book of Solomon. Wow, the new guy is going to Solomon on Wednesday night. For those of you that miss church <laughs> tonight, we're going to the book of Solomon. Solomon 2.16. I want you to look at how the Shulamite woman looks at Solomon. Listen to this progression quickly. My beloved is mine and I am his. In other words, he belongs to me and I, I belong to him and that's okay, but he belongs to me. Then it gets to I am my beloved's and he is mine. In other words, now it's now I am his. So the focus is getting better, but she's still thinking about the, well, I can be his, but I want him. And towards the end of the book, it says, I am my beloved's and his desire is towards me. In other words, it's not about me having you like that. It's, I belong to you. And as long as your desire is for me, then that's all I need because I know that everything's going to be all right. How many of you tonight want Jesus to desire you with that same love that these newlyweds have right here? This book, the book of Solomon, is considered by the Jews to be the holy of holies in the Old Testament. It is that where God and his people come together and they, they love each other with that love that's, that's exhibited in marriage. It's that personal communion to where we're looking to each other, me and my wife, you and your spouse. We're looking to God and we're learning to commune like that marriage relationship. And he says he counts it as something that is so utterly worthless when it comes towards anything. He says he counts all of these things as dung. Verse 9. 
Paul says, and to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, not having as my righteousness, that which is of the law, but having my righteousness to be found in him. I'm looking to him. That's where my righteousness comes from, not from a thing that I do. I forget all the things that I've done, good and bad. Now I look to him and he establishes my righteousness. This is where it comes from. The, this, this, uh, Justification in, by faith is in this verse right there. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're reinforcing this here, guys. It's not about anything that we do. His righteousness did not stem from his obedience to a higher set of rules, but by the perfect obedience and precious death of Christ, and granted to all those who are found in Christ, it comes from God. That's who it comes from. Verse 10. Listen to this. This needs to be our prayer. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. To know, to, be, to recognize, to know him when you see him. To be acquainted with Jesus in such a way to where we know him when we see him. We know when we feel. We know when we see. We know when we sense. We know when Jesus is in this. We look to him as that, that author. I keep saying that. It's not in my notes. The finisher, the perfecter of our faith. We look to him who is doing for us. But I must be in Christ in order to know him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it's, it's, it's so familiar. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's the only way that we can know him because now that we've accepted him, we can get to know him. And when he will appear, we will be like him for we will see him like he is. That's how we can recognize him when we see him. In the power of his resurrection. But if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. The same spirit that raised him from the dead has raised us from the dead and raised us newness of life. And now we can have personal communion with Jesus himself. I needed that. I was thinking that. Thank you. Being conformed to his death, it implies a continual process, uh, a progress, not a looking like we're doing this thing. It's the doing of it. He's making us into the likeness of his son. He that says he abides taught himself to walk even as Jesus walked. We can walk like Jesus walked. We can. Does, does that sound foreign to anybody? Uh, that, that is in the Bible, by the way. We can learn to be like him, and he will take us along that way. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. That's the resurrection of the, the righteous dead, by the way. We arrive at the end of a journey. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pilgrimage. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already made perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. To attain, to, to win a prize. To follow after means to, to keep pressing. It's not where we sit and wait. We sit and press. Not we don't sit. We walk. We run. We press. We push. It's the, it's the runner that's running in a race that sees the finish line down there that has to keep running. And when he's run through his second, third, and tenth win, he still keeps pushing, not because he's being made to, but because he wants to. 
He's looking to Jesus. How many of us would climb up out of these pews and go run down the street if we knew Jesus was at the end of the street? It's that same, Jesus is where? And, and you know what? We'd all run over Mike Jones. <laughs> I'm picking on Mike. I, not, he beat me down there. He's, he's a tough man. I got to say that. Strong man. But it's the running. It's the looking. It's the being focused. It's the runner that's trained all of his life. And he keeps training when other people are sitting on the couch with a bag of Cheetos. They're out there. They're working. They're training. They're moving. They're doing. They're looking. They're seeing. They have to go. They're, they're driven from the inside by his Holy Spirit to get to the one that's made it all possible in the first place. This runner wants to hear God call his name and summon him to the victory stand where he will meet Jesus face to face and know him in perfect intimacy. That's in perfect communion. Verse 13, guys. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, he forgets those things which are behind. He reaches forth to those things which are before. He puts aside the victories. He puts aside the successes. He puts b behind him all of the things that are bad, and he knows there's a lot of them. But it means that he is deliberately ignoring, he's purposefully disregarding, and he's completely forgetting all of the things in his life. He chooses to do that. He can still recall them, but in the forgetting he's choosing Jesus, he puts it behind him so he can get to where Jesus is. Where is Jesus? When Jesus confronts you, where is he and where are you? Where do you sense the calling of Jesus in your life? What is it that you do that's, a, that's becoming a passion that you like to do and you sense that Jesus is out there saying, step up and do that, come to where I am and I will equip you to do that? The things that are, that are behind, they're so obsolete they should be relegated to the past and never brought up again. I am preaching this to myself and I hope you guys get something out of it. Put the things that are in your past where they are and qu quit bringing them up to where you are. The successes and the failures that you have now, let it go and follow Christ. I have three words for you when it comes to forgetting. Remember Lot's wife. Do you want to look back? Do you really want to look back? Remember Lot's wife. She looked back. I purpose today not to look back i'm tired of looking back i hope that you're tired of looking back it will not accomplish any good thing if you continue to do so somebody say amen you say this i'll get done quicker keep looking to him and say i will remember lot's wife i'm tired of this stuff i'm looking to jesus that's what i'm doing i'm forgetting what's behind i'm reaching forward to that thing that's in front of me and that is the prize and that prize is jesus it's before me i press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of god in christ jesus wow i'm telling you a story i got four minutes i've already said it. i'm going to say it again it's pressing forward to a distant object that is fixed it's not moving around we see it We've got to get to it. We've got to, we've got to win the prize. Second place is not enough. We want to win the prize. We don't run the race to be second. Man, who does that? Who wants a trophy for participating? Come on, guys. We don't, we don't do that. I mean, there, there's some that do. You know, God bless them. That's not me. I want the prize. 
I'm running the race for the prize. I, I want Jesus. I want the communion with him. I want him to change me because I'm tired of me. I've got to put that behind me. I'm learning to do that. I, I hope that we are, are all doing that. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this to you. So let me ask you a few questions because I don't have long. What are the things that are bigger than you can fix in your life? Let me tell you this. There's no magic that you can come up with to make them go away. They don't do it. But you have to choose to look to him. You're not going to mentally make them go away, subconsciously make them go away. You're not going to repress them. That stuff's not real. It's not going to happen. We've got to look to him. I can imagine the lady at the well in John chapter 4. Can you imagine her excitement when she met Jesus? Can you imagine how she felt, this woman who had done all of the things that she did, when she met that real water, that true water, the Messiah? I think she's one of two people that he said that I'm he, I'm that guy, I'm the Messiah. She ran and got all those people and brought them back, and Jesus performed his, his first crusade to a bunch of heathens, the Samaritans, because he loved them enough to give himself for them too. And she forgot. She chose not to recall. She chose to step out of it and to forget it and to put it to the side just long enough to go get somebody to say, I have found the Messiah. She knew him when she saw him because he revealed himself to her. I want to be like, that woman right there. But what is it that we take with us to the well of life and then when we meet with Jesus, we turn around and we take it back with us to the same place we just came from? What are the things in your life that you hold on to, the past hurts, the people you're ill with, the people you don't particularly like? And I know none of us would act pious and act like there's not anybody in the world that we've ever run into that we may not care for. Check the box. Is that a beep? I still have a half a minute. What is it that you're holding on to? Can I give you two words for that? Stop it. Just stop it. Stop holding on to the hurt. Stop holding on to the pain. And look to the one who is the prize. Forget it. You can't wipe it away. But you can put it in its proper place. And look to Jesus. Forget what's behind and press forward to him. What would our lives be like? And we're closing now. So this doesn't count as part of my time. Got the <laughs> what, what would our lives be like if we chose to do that? What is it that you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that bothers you? What if we tried what God's Word says and we forget it? Now, does that happen overnight? I'll say probably more than likely not. Chances are it didn't t you didn't have get there overnight. You're not going to get away from it overnight. But I will say this. Paul said... And the words say it, it's a continually doing of a kind of thing. If we choose to forget, if we choose to put it in its place, 
if we look to him and keep pressing and keep running towards him, I can tell you this, it changed your life. Because it's not about anything we've done bad or anything that we've done good. Paul says it's all a loss anyway. It's just a grand distraction. The things that we have are souvenirs on our pilgrimage to go to be with him. We're just going to give them away. It's about him. How many of you are looking to him? And if you're not, tonight's a good time to start. I say that to myself too. Tonight, I choose to forget. I choose to run. I choose to press. Will you do that tonight? I know that you will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your incredible love that you have for us tonight. Father, thank you for speaking to me in the, the preparation of, of this talk. Father, I pray that you have spoken to my brothers and sisters and met them right where they are and loved them like only you can and said, it's okay, follow me. Father, thank you for speaking to us through the life of Paul, such simple words that we can understand, that all we have to do is forget the things that you have shed your blood for that precious blood, and now encourage us every day to keep running towards your son, Jesus. Father, tonight I thank you for your love and for getting my family home tonight as they travel back to the house. Get them there safely and give them the, the slumber of the righteous as they lay their heads on the pillow tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Thank you, brother.